Hey y'all, my name is Eric. I'm the lead pastor at Emmanuel in Hookson. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast. Our goal is to be a blessing to everyone who listens as you continue on your journey of faith. It's also our hope that you'll be encouraged to find a church to belong to so you can plug into that congregation and bless others with the gifts and experiences that God has entrusted you with. If you're being encouraged or challenged by this teaching, would you consider giving us a five-star review? That review and rating moves us up the list so others might find us more easily so they too can benefit from this podcast. Well, I hope this podcast is a blessing to you and encourages you to get out there and be the blessing. God bless. Luke chapter number one, verse number 26, going through 26 through 38. Now, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. This is important. They're they're from the lineage of David, and that's a prophecy about Jesus, that he's going to be in the lineage of King David. Having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice, highly favored one. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of of greeting this was. Now, let me ask you, how many, who's 14, 13, 14 years old here? Any girls 13 or 14 years old? 15, 12, right? I want you to imagine some strange guy shows up in your bedroom He's glowing a little bit. Oh, you're like 13. Why did you raise your hand? Would you be going, oh, hey, what's up? Let's get a snap. You'd probably be like, dude, what are you doing in my bedroom? You might even be troubled. I think sometimes the Bible understates things a little bit, right? Troubled. She was troubled when she saw this glowing dude standing at the foot of her bed. Maybe he wasn't glowing, but she saw this strange man in her room saying, hey, blessed are you among women. And she's troubled, and she's considering what manner of greeting this is. Very polite way to go. She's like possibly freaking out, thinking, what is this, right? You follow me now? I think sometimes we like to miss the point in some of these biblical passages because we think everything is like a pageant. Dude, this is first century Israel. It's not a pageant. The angel says to her, now this is why I know the inner mind as she's considering these things, she's probably freaking out because the angel looks at her and he says something that angels say a lot. He says what? Do not be afraid. You found favor with God. I mean, listen, the angel said that for a reason. We're going to explore that today. And behold, you will conceive in your womb... And bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Now, how many of you 13, 14-year-old girls are going to be like, uh, yeah, no thank you? I don't think so. So Mary's sitting there. She's listening to this, and he will be great. This, this baby you're going to conceive, 
His name is going to be Jesus. He's going to be great. He's going to be the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom, there will be no end. Now, folks, I want to invite you out to Wednesday night Bible study. You missed last week. We went into the end times. Dude, we went through... uh, couple chapters of the book of Revelation where we're actually going to start to see when Jesus receives his throne in Israel. I do not adopt what is considered to be covenant theology. I do not believe the church replaced Israel. We joined with her, but we didn't replace her. And all of the promises that God gave to Israel will come to pass, right? This is one of them. So here comes King Jesus. Um, So Mary said to the angel, um, how can this be since I do not know a man? Now, guys, you know what she means by this by now, right? She's still a virgin. She's had sexual relations. I don't know a man. How can this be? And the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. And the Bible tells us that he wrapped himself in flesh. And that means the Spirit of Christ came within the womb of Mary and wrapped himself in flesh and became a human being, all God, all man. And it's a mystery of how it happened. Indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. Now, she did it the conventional way, okay? And this, although it's still a miracle because she was past, past her season, and this is now the sixth month for who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. Now, folks, I, I, I almost always hate preaching to the calendar. Like, if you've known me and been with me for a while, you know that I do not like uh, following the calendar for my sermon series um, I'm not a big liturgical uh, preacher. As a matter of fact, this is pretty much the only liturgy we, we follow is Advent, and we just started doing that last year because I thought there was value in it, and I believe God wanted us to do this. I got an email this week asking us if we were liturgical, and I'm like, well, not really. We, we do Advent. And, and part of the reason why is I don't want to preach stale messages. I don't believe the calendar is God, right? It serves God. It's not God. And and when we preach Advent, I don't want to just preach something that you come to church and you're like, oh, it's Advent. I'm just going to hear about love, joy, peace, and hope. And and walk out without a challenge, without transformation, without meeting with Jesus here during the sermon. Uh, Some people think that when we sing, it's the only time that you worship God. This time. When the word of God is being expounded upon, this is where you meet with God. Some of my greatest inspirations and the greatest illuminations I have had have been when I was sitting where you're at and the preacher was preaching and the Holy Spirit opened my heart and opened my eyes and I saw something that I had never seen before. Man, that is an awesome thing. You ought to be coming to church every Sunday morning saying, Lord, open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. We're going to talk about that in a moment. Here is Mary. She's a little kid. She's 13, 14 years old. Behold, a maidservant of the Lord. This is her answer to all of this stuff. 
Could you imagine that? What would your answer be? You're 13. Would you be, behold the maidservant of the Lord? Let it be to me according to your word. I see Evelyn going, Mom! Or maybe Dad. See, you're saying, yeah, no, I don't think so. Certainly not maidservant. She has one of those, I think. No, I'm kidding. She's so glad she's sitting four rows back now. Okay, she's nodding her head. Listen, this, this is a cool thing about Mary. She was not your average, she was not your average teenager. And, and I know some of you guys are sitting here and going, teenager? Well, scholars tell us, and, and I have no reason to dispute this, especially first century Israel, that Mary could potentially have been between about 12 years old and 16 years old when she was betrothed to Joseph. And the betrothal stage could last years. And certainly before they were, would consummate the marriage, she would have passed into puberty. So I believe there's verifiable fact that she certainly was past puberty because she had a child. So 13 seems about reasonable to me. She could have been 16. Either way, she's a young girl, and she is facing some pretty earth-shattering life-shattering news. We, we, again, we look at Christmas in this pageantry, and I think we miss the gritty, real-life seriousness of what Mary and Joseph were about to embark on. She's just been told that she's going to become pregnant without having sex, and the child in her womb will be God the Son, Jesus. She's betrothed to a man, and I'm certain that in her mind, she's thinking, what is he going to do with me? What's going to happen to me? How will I support this child? I'm not ready for my body to change. A lot of those comments are, often used as reasons for abortion. Do you imagine if it was convenient for her back in the first century, what could have happened? So here's Mary. I believe that she is, uh, she's freaking out. And I believe she was freaking out because the, the angel told her to, to relax. Expect Jesus in your fear. Now, we live, we live in a culture, in a society that's full of anxiety. We live in a culture that's full of fear. Now, I have to give a disclaimer because I know that there are anxiety disorders. There are, there are mental illnesses associated with this word anxiety. And those people at times will need to find a doctor, and have some help medically or through counseling. And if that's you, I want to encourage you to keep doing it. But I also want you to understand something, that you can still, whether you have an anxiety disorder or not, expect Jesus to show up 
in your fear. As a matter of fact, when Kirsten's mental illness hit her the first time, psychosis and depression and anxiety that she was going through, uh, we finally found a physician that gave her the medication that helped her to overcome hearing the voices that she was hearing. And, and we're kind of hopeful now that she might be getting a little better. Um, just praying that that happens, that she finally is freed from this, this trial that she's going through. But as I was studying this, one of the things I found was, was uh, people have the most success when they're struggling with these disorders if they receive medication and, and, and counseling both together. That's, that's where the success comes from. So people that just try to medicate without counseling or counsel without medication and they have a disorder are often not as successful as when you combine the two. Now for the rest of you that, that don't struggle with the disorder but you still struggle with fear, this message is also for you. So if you have a disorder, this message is for you because this is the counsel of the word of God. Expect Jesus in your fear. Uh, you're never alone. He is for you. He is with you. We're going to see Mary, this, this 13 or 14, 15-year-old kid. How did she respond to this crazy situation she found herself in? She found herself in an untenable circumstance, something that she couldn't change. She was just crazy about this. And what, what did she do? He says, you don't have to be afraid. First thing is she, she listened. And I know, listen now, if you have the disorder, sometimes listening is the hardest thing to do, which is where the medication comes in. But you need to listen. You need to stop. You need to breathe. And you need to listen. You need to hear. So what does she hear? The angel says, hey, don't be afraid. You have found favor. I want to say beloved today. I don't often say that. But beloved, because you are loved, you have found favor. If you're in this sanctuary this morning, it is my personal belief that God the Father wants to grant to you the gift of eternal life. I do not believe you have wandered into Emmanuel by accident. You were drawn here by the Father. If you're seeking after God, you're seeking him because he sought you first. But you're here because he has favored you. He has favored you and given you the opportunity to hear these words. Jesus Christ is God in the flesh. Jesus Christ came to die on the cross for your sin and mine in a personal, real-life, gritty kind of way. When Jesus hung on the cross, he took all of your lies. He took all of your anger. He took all of your hatred, all of your condemnation, all of your judgment. You named the sin. He took that sin into his own body as if he had done it, though he didn't. He took your sin as if he had done it, and he accepted the punishment for your sin personally. Every single sin that you have ever done, that you ever will do, he took your sin. And when he hung on the cross, 
He was being punished in your place. That is the word of the Lord. Look it up in 1 Peter. Look it up in in 1 Corinthians chapter 5. He who knew no sin became sin for us. But he didn't just take our sin and our punishment. It didn't stop there. The Bible says he rose from the grave. Once he had died on that cross and once he was buried, three days later he rose from the grave, proving that God the Father who punished him in our place was satisfied with the sacrifice of Jesus so that all who will turn to God recognize in their sinfulness and their need for a Savior and believing that Jesus Christ is God in the flesh and he died for our sins, all who call upon him will be saved, saved from the penalty of their sin. They will be welcomed into a new family, adopted into the family of God, and God their creator is now God their father. That's the word of the Lord. You're here and you have been given favor by God. And I said beloved because he loves you for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The first thing that Mary had to come to grips with was this. You are highly favored. Church, Christian, you are highly favored. You have been favored by God. As a matter of fact, favor is grace. It is salvation for you and for me. That is what grace is. It is the favor of God resting upon us, receiving his mercy and receiving his grace. We are favored. And when you are in a place of fear, I want you to remember that you are a favored one of God. You say, I don't feel favored. How do you think this little girl felt? This 13, 14-year-old girl. In the beginning of this whole conversation, I'm sure she was shaking in her nightgown. I was going to say shoes, but I'm like, she's bad. I don't think she wore shoes to bed. So she's, 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 she's frightened. But the angel begins to address her fear by telling her, you're favored. So you may be frightened, But never forget in your fright, never forget in your fear that you're favored. That makes a difference, you know. When you recognize that you are favored by God, that you've been given God's grace, that he has called you his child, that changes things. God and me make a majority. God is on my side. Now, God is going to allow me to suffer, and I know that. Gosh, do I know that. But he's not going to allow me to suffer alone, and he's not going to call me to suffer for nothing for no good purpose. And so if my God calls me to suffer, it becomes a privilege. And I recognize that my suffering may lead to salvation for someone who doesn't know him yet. Woo, that'll preach. Holy Spirit is going to be with you to enable you to accomplish your life's purpose. How can this be since I know not a man? She's freaking out. It's like, don't worry about it. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you. The Holy Spirit is going to empower you. The Holy Spirit is going to walk with you. The Holy Spirit is going to be within you. Church, I haven't taught on this enough. I know I, I have taught on the past, but I haven't taught on it enough. You have the power of God in 
you. You are indwelled by the Holy Spirit, but you need to be filled by the Holy Spirit. You need to move on from the indwelling of the Spirit to the filling of the Spirit. And sometimes as Baptists, we're like, it just means the same thing. I have the Holy Spirit. I don't need any more of them. You really do. You need to understand that without him, you're accomplishing nothing. But with him, you have nothing to fear. And this is what the, this is what the angel tells, tells Mary, man. Listen, the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you, and the power of the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you. And you will be able to walk through this circumstance, and you will be able to accomplish all of the goals that God has set for your life. Don't be afraid. And this is where I say, listen, I, I was called to preach when I was 18 years old, 17, 18 years old, I was sitting in my bedroom at my, my desk that my dad built for my sister, Lita. My dad used to work at a countertop shop, and they would build all these desks and stuff. And it was that little green square one, Dad. Remember that? And I inherited it because I'm the baby of the family. So I got some of the hand-me-downs. But actually, I always got the best stuff because I'm the baby of the family. And babies are best. And um, I was highly favored. Ask my brothers and sister. And so, so anyways, I'm, I'm sitting there at my desk and I'm reading the Bible. Imagine that. I'm 17 or 18 years old and I'm reading the Bible and I get to Jeremiah chapter one and he says, behold, before I formed you in the womb, I called you and ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. Then said I, oh Lord, my God, I cannot speak. Behold, I'm just a child. And God said, do not say that I am just a child for you shall say what I tell you to say. Go where I go to tell you to go. And man, when I was reading that, it was as if God opened the door to my bedroom came in and said hey hey Eric this is this is for you too and I said how can this be since I'm but a child Mary said how can this be since I'm still a virgin you might say how can this be since I'm so shy and I don't like to speak how can this be since I whatever your excuse is whatever your fear is God visits us in our fear expect him now, it took me 10 years of cross-training before I finally answered the call to preach. Listen, I was full of anxiety. I used to stay up late at night. Trish would go to bed. I'd watch infomercials. Do you remember those? Like, I don't really have cable anymore. I used PlayStation View for my cable, and I don't really watch commercials and stuff. But back then, you know, back in the 90s, 1998, 99, 2000, there was this infomercial called Attacking Anxiety. And I used to sit there and go, man, if I could just get past this, I would answer the call to preach, and I would go be a pastor, and I'd be an evangelist. I would do this, but I can't do it. And I was terrified, and I didn't understand how to expect Jesus in my fear. I didn't understand how to overcome this anxiety, and I was looking to all these different methods and means. And meanwhile, Jesus was sitting on the couch beside me, and if I had just opened the eyes of my heart, I would have seen him saying what he said to me roughly 10 years later, Eric, dummy. He might not have said dummy, but he said, Eric, well, he might have said dummy. I don't know. He said, Eric, no, he didn't say dummy. He was, he was, he was, he was nicer than that. He said, he said, I would have done it through you. Why didn't you answer my call? I would have done it through you. I would have done it through you. I 
will accomplish my purposes in you. It is not your power. It is my power. You wonder what I'm praying before I get up to preach. I'm praying for power from God because I know this. My words cannot convince you of some crazy thing that happened 2,000 years ago to some Jew who hung on a cross. Nobody believes that. Nobody believes that without the Holy Spirit granting them the gift of faith. I can't persuade you of that. I don't have those powers of persuasion. But I know somebody that can. And so I sit here and say, God, please, please empower me to your purpose. And I know that he will. Now, if I'd have, maybe if I would have understood this, expecting Jesus in my fear and opened the eyes of my heart, I might have seen him earlier than the 10 years. But I praise God for this. One, he knew it would take me 10 years to get that far. And he put me into a cross-training program. And it was awesome. So no time is wasted time when you are the favored one of God. Can I get an amen? Let go of your shame. You've been waiting so long and you've been putting things off and you're afraid of this and afraid of that. Listen, man, you are in cross-training. And when you get it, you'll get it and you will go and experience the joy of the Lord. Anyways, I waited so long. Because I wasn't seeing Jesus sitting next to me. I wasn't hearing Jesus saying, I'm going to empower you. I'm going to enable you. All I could see was me. A lot of times that's where our fear is founded. It's founded when we're looking in the wrong direction. I was looking at me. Uh, Back when I was 18, 19, 18, 20 years old, guys, I wasn't getting up in front of a crowd. I wasn't doing this. I did sing a solo once in our choir with Trisha was Mary and I was Joseph. How sweet is that? Right? Thank you. I was terrified. I remember when I did my first lesson, it was to Awana Sparkies. They're, Sparkies are kindergarten to second grade. I thought that, as, I thought you could see my knees shaking. That's how terrified I was. Like I was, I was, John three sixteen. for God so loved the world, I can't do this. And they're all looking up at me like. (sighs) God enables you, though. I began to recognize that when God calls you to do something, whatever the fear is that you're in, Jesus is in your fear. He, he, He reminded he reminded Mary before he left. Did you did you see what he did? He reminded Mary before he left. What were the words he said to Mary before he left? With God, nothing would be impossible. With God, nothing is impossible. I don't know where you're at today. I know where I was at. I was in a place of absolute fear, a place where I I couldn't see a way forward, a place where I couldn't see a way out. And then I was reminded to expect Jesus in my fear. How should we respond how should we respond when we find ourselves in a circumstance that is, that is absolutely terrifying? I want you to, again, go back into Mary's bedroom. Uh, don't be a peeping Tom, but go back into Mary's bedroom with the angel. And she's sitting there on the bed, and she's covered up, and she's shaking, and she's trembling, and she's hearing all these amazing things being spoken over her. These promises of God, these prophetic promises of God are being laid down on top of Mary. You are highly favored. Church, you are highly favored. Don't forget that. Don't forget that in your fear that you are highly favored. And he's telling her, man, this is how it's going to happen. The Holy Spirit's going to do it. You don't have to do anything. Just say yes. Right? 
And then he says, nothing's going to be impossible. And what was, what was Mary's response in the midst of this conversation? Remember, it was different than Evelyn's. She said, behold, the handmaiden of the Lord. Behold, the handmaid of the Lord. She just accepted it. She just accepted it. Whatever it might be, whatever it might entail, wherever this might lead me, if Joseph leaves me, Joseph leaves me. If I end up destitute and on the side of the road, this is the calling of God. I will walk where he has called me to walk. I expect Jesus in the fear. I expect the spirit to empower me and embolden me. Whatever you choose for me to walk, whatever you choose for me to walk through, I will go. If it's suffering, I will suffering, suffer. If it's missions, I will, I will go. If it's pastoring, I will pastor. If it's witnessing, I will witness. If it is, if it is, and only you can answer the next one. Whatever it is, that fear has its deadly tendrils gripping around your heart. Lord, if it's your calling, I will go. And I know that you are going with me. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. There's nothing more submissive than that phrase. It's a beautiful, beautiful declaration. Cast into the teeth of fear. I belong to God. I'm going to do whatever he tells me to do. Come hell or high water, I'm going to do whatever he tells me to do. I expect Jesus in my fear. Why? Because I'm highly favored. Can you say that with me? One, two, three, highly favored. One, two, three, highly favored. Now, y'all need to get that. Some of y'all sitting here, I'm slipping into my southern, southern drawl. Some of y'all need to get this. You are highly favored. I know I see you sitting there and you're going like this. Highly favored. I'm highly favored. I'm highly, I'm highly favored. Dude, the word grace means favored. Say it with me. One, two, three. I'm highly favored. Maybe you're like, ah, I'm not the baby of the family. All right, so let's say favored. One, two, three. I'm favored. Get that from here to here. You are a treasure of God. He values you. He loves you in a very personal, in a very real way. Mary's response to the fear was recognizing that it was the Holy Spirit that was going to be with her, understanding that she had found favor and that nothing would be impossible. It's just an amazing thing. Now, I promised you that I would take you to a place where we would talk about why I'm having angels sing, open the eyes of my heart. Mary had her spiritual eyes open. In her case, it was crazy because the angel, and most of the time angels are invisible, and every now and then they go, surprise, right? When I had my skull fracture, I was four years old, we saw an angel in the flesh. He came into our physical realm and carried me to my mother. Now, you all want, you think I'm crazy, you want to argue with me, go argue with my mom, you will not win. Right, mom? She says, that's right, amen, preach it. Preach it, son, bring it to him. Folks, man, every now and then, angels do, the Bible says sometimes we entertain angels unaware. 
So you guys that are, you're sticking the mud, you're Baptist, you're like, I don't believe in the supernatural. Well, then you're, you know, listen, man, if you got saved, you believe in the supernatural because one guy died for you on a cross and rose from the grave. And if you don't believe in the supernatural, you got trouble. So the angel carried me to my mom. Well, this angel, he appeared to Mary. And so she was seeing with these spiritualized spiritual things in the physical realm. But every now and then we have to, well, let me say this differently. All the time we need to start looking with spiritual eyes to see what's going on around us. There are angels in this room right now. And I guarantee you there are demons in this room right now. And they are wrestling with your consciousness to distract you from the word of the living God. In some cases, you're in this room and there are demons trying to wrestle your heart away from hearing the word of the living God because these, these demons have nothing but your destruction as their goal. And you're on the precipice of salvation. You have heard the gospel of Jesus Christ and the enemy of you and the enemy of me wants to drag you kicking and screaming into hell. Demons are nothing to laugh at and their power, although less than God, is still more powerful than you. There are spiritual forces at work right here, right now. This is a story of a great man of God. And he is, uh, (laughs) dude, this is is the coolest story. Let's just read it. The king of Syria, the king of Syria is, uh, is going to kill Israel. Just put it, give you the backstory. The king of Syria is angry at Israel, wants to slaughter them. Nothing new. (laughs) You still see it going on today. Uh, The enemy of the children of God want to kill the children of God. That hasn't changed. So he goes to kill the children of God, and God's prophet says, hey, king of Israel, Syria's coming. You might want to leave where you're at because they're going to get there in a day or two. So the king of Israel, they go, oh, thanks, and he would leave. And then the Syrian army would come down, and Israel is gone again. Now he's getting angry. And so the king of Syria says, which one of you are a traitor? Which one of you are giving away our plans to these Israelites? And one of the guys is like, dude, it's not us. It's not us. It's that man of God. He's the one causing all the trouble. He tells Israel where we're going to be before we get there. And the guy goes, well, where is he? And they said, he's in Dothan. And then the king said, go and see where he is that I may send and get him. Can you imagine that? Now the king of Syria who wants to kill Israel is going to send and send and get the man of God. Come to me. I just want to have a conversation. Surely he's in Dothan. Therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there to Dothan. And they came by night and surrounded the city where the prophet of God, where the man of God was. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, (laughs) dude, you just got to read the Bible with your imaginations turned on. I mean, you guys like, oh, the Bible's so boring. It's just such a boring book. This is because you read, you're boring. The Bible's not boring. You're boring. You're so indoctrinated by watching movies and TV. You haven't read a book in like 30 years and you're like, the Bible's so boring. There's no explosions. Dude, this servant, just imagine with me, servant's chilling with the man of God. He wakes up. I got to go to the bathroom. He gets up. He's going out. He opens the door and, they're surrounded. The whole city, the whole town is surrounded by chariots and horses and armsmen. 
His servant says to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? We're surrounded. There's no way out. They're going to kill us. They know it's you who's been causing all this trouble. The man of God is so chill. So he answered. Now, there is a theme all through Scripture. So the man of God answered and said, Do not fear, for those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Now, the Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We are overcomers. Can I, can I hear you say that word, one, two, three? Overcomers. Say it again. Overcomers. Man, I, I, I said it earlier. Me and God, we make a majority. Okay? So here's the, here's the servant. He's doing what most of us would do. Ah! Is there a back alley out of this place? We got to go. We got to get out of here. There's trouble. It's the amygdala going crazy. It's fight or flight, and he is in full flight mode. Let's go. Pack your things. Let's go. Let's go. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? And the man of God goes, dude, chill. Chill out, man. You need to have some new eyes. So Elisha prayed. This is what I want you all to do. Lord, I pray, open his eyes that he may see. That he may see. And then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elijah. Elijah lived his life with his spiritual eyes open. He lived his life walking a life of faith. We walk by faith, not by sight, but the sight that we have is by faith. We, we see with spiritual eyes, we understand with a spiritual heart. And Elijah was walking, man, greater is he that is with us than he that is in the world. There is nothing that can come against us that God does not allow. And my God is a good God. And so if he allows it, it will work for good in my life, no matter how evil it might be. Because I am highly favored. Come on, guys, you got to connect the dots here. Expect Jesus. Whoo! Expect Jesus in your fear. Expect Jesus in your fear. Open the eyes of my heart. We often fear because we cannot see what is truly around us. We often fear because we cannot see what's truly around us. Now, some of you, when I said, hey, there's demons in this room, some of you went, some of you got a little twin, some of you got a little frightened, some of you got a little uncomfortable. But you are hearing the wrong word. There are angels in this room. Right? You follow what I'm saying? There may be demons, but there are angels in this room. I've talked to many people in the last few weeks, and man, is the devil fighting. I got up one morning, I had a dream. And I listen, I believe that Satan can visit your dreams. He can put dreams into your mind. You can wake up and go, what was that? Why was I dreaming that? That's crazy. Your heart's beating and you think it's just a nightmare. Well, there's times where it's not just a nightmare. It is a spiritual force visiting your dream, trying to corrupt you, trying to persuade you, trying to tempt you. And I woke up one morning and I lay there breathing a little heavy. And then I'm like, (laughs) nice try, old serpent. So I opened my journal up, which is a great great, uh, practice 
uh, and, I, and I just, like my journal, and sometimes it's, it's a page, sometimes it's a word, sometimes it's a phrase. And I think I shared this with you. My phrase was, well, the devil is angry, period. And then I wrote, well, he should be. <laughs> yeah, man, if you're ticking the devil off, that's awesome. And I'm not saying bring it on like I used to when I was younger, because I'm not as stupid as I used to be. But if I'm making him angry, I'm feeling pretty good about it. He ought to be angry. Something's happening in this church, and he ought to be scared. Well, you talk about fear. We shouldn't be afraid. He should be afraid. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Open your spiritual eyes and see what's around you. See what God is doing. Now, when he got into a boat, that's Jesus, his disciples followed him, Matthew 8. Suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea so that the boat was covered with waves. But Jesus was asleep. Don't you like to sleep sometimes? How many of y'all struggle with sleep because you're afraid? You wake up and your heart's racing. There's just things in your life and your job and your family and you just wake up and there's this fear gripping your heart. How many of you'd like to sleep in a terrible circumstance? I mean, that's the illustration here. There's a storm on the Sea of Galilee. Now, you guys, you might not have the, the, the like, you don't have the time I have. And I, I take my time and I study things, which I should be doing. And the Sea of Galilee, there are violent storms that come up from nowhere on this little inland sea. And the boats that they used to have are not like the boats we have today. Imagine it. Imagine that. It's the first century, guys. It's not a rowboat with like plain planks. It's like this thrown together thing. And Jesus is sleeping in the boat during a storm where waves. Listen, I just YouTubed the Sea of Galilee storms the other day. And it was just a little windstorm. And the waves are kicking up over these guys' rowboats. And they're like, whoa, it's crazy. How do you sleep through that? You know how you sleep through that? You have no fear. You know why Jesus didn't fear? His end was the cross. His end wasn't the bottom of the Sea of Galilee. His end was the cross. What's the sea going to do to him? He knows he's making it to the other side. He knows he's in God's hand. He knows that if, if something terrible happens to him on the way to the cross, as if that's not terrible, that it is in part of God's, it's part of God's plan. So now his disciples, they're not seeing with spiritual eyes. They wake him up saying, Lord, save us. We're dying here. That's paraphrased. We're perishing. And he says to him, why are you fearful Oh, ye of little faith. Now, I know I'm yelling. apologize for you guys that are chickens. Um, and he arose and rebuked the winds in the sea. And there was great calm. This is a moment. You have those Holy Ghost breakdown moments. It's like last week when I was saying, expect Jesus in your, in your shame. Uh, and I'm reading that passage, and it says, and he stooped down. Dude, for me, that was a Holy Ghost breakdown. I mean, that was, a, that was a moment of illumination where God showed me Jesus stoops down into my shame. And he's not, listen, he's not ashamed of me. He's not afraid of my mess. Matter of fact, he came to deliver me from my mess. That was like, woo! Dude, how can you not go, woo, about that? Or, amen, or, yeah. 
these guys are about to have a Holy Ghost breakdown. They wake Jesus up. Come on, wake up. What's wrong with you? How can you sleep in this? The economy is crashing. The president's being impeached. Um, Iran is in North Korea are pursuing nuclear weapons. How can you sleep through this? Oh, you've little faith. Oh. Hey, Wynn, see, chill out. And there was a, it wasn't just calm. It wasn't just a calm. It was that kind of calm where the sea looks like glass kind of calm. It was a great calm. It was a great calm. So the men marveled saying, who can this be? They hadn't quite gotten it through their thick skulls yet that even the winds and the sea obey him. Expect Jesus in your fear. Expect Jesus in your fear. It's an amazing thing to me. And we saw with Mary, what you perceive will help you through your fear. Mary perceived that this angel was from the Lord. She saw something that most 13-year-old girls couldn't see. She saw past her circumstances. She saw past her fears. And she trusted God. These men are in the boat. They've, listen, here's the thing about these men. They had just witnessed three specific miracles. They had just seen Jesus, the guy sleeping in the boat. They had just seen Jesus heal a leper. That doesn't happen. They saw Jesus heal a leper. Big deal? How many of you guys say that's a big deal? Anybody have eczema here? You don't have to raise your hand if you're like a little embarrassed, but... You have tried, some people, man, they try everything to get rid of eczema. And what happens? It's still there. And they're like, oh, I need this steroid cream, this, that. And they're still struggling with it. Dude, leprosy is like eczema to the 10th power. It's like you are falling apart. He healed a leper. He, he didn't just heal a leper. He, he healed a, a tormented and paralyzed man from a distance centurion comes and says hey all my servant he's struggling he's tormented he's paralyzed uh, and jesus says oh i'll come with you and he says no 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 you you just say the word say the word he said the word man in the same hour he said the word the man was healed he healed Peter's mother-in-law. That doesn't, listen, he healed, I'm going to say it because it's hilarious. He healed Peter's mother-in-law. There's two miracles there. One was healing. The other was healing the mother-in-law. Like, it was like, I'm sure Peter's like, hey, Jesus, you don't have to. It's all right, man. This one time, it's okay if you let this slide, Lord. Um, no, no. Come on. That's, I'm sorry. That's not... Well, I don't know. We'll talk after. Anyways, I have a wonderful mother-in-law most of the time. There's a, they had just seen him heal the mother-in-law, a leper. He had sent healing words to the servant. And now they're on the sea, and there's waves crashing down. And for some reason, they lost their perspective. They let the fear overwhelm them. And they weren't expecting Jesus in their fear. They weren't, 
They weren't seeing Jesus. They seemed to have forgotten so quickly what they had seen, or maybe they didn't understand Jesus' ability to care for them. But I'll tell you this, Mary, Mary understood it. Mary is awesome. I really think Baptists have just been jerks over the years. Mary is incredible. She is an incredible woman. She was probably as incredible as the Apostle Paul. The things this 13, 14, however old she was, the things this teenage girl did, accepted with grace, was amazing. She saw it. She understood it. Whatever you want, Lord, sickness, shame, health, wealth, pain, failure. If you're with me, I'm yours, and you are with me because I am highly favored. Let me ask you a question. Oh, thank you, Lord. If y'all knew you were highly favored, would you walk a little differently? Would you walk a little differently? I love watching our football players. We just had Nate's um, banquet last night. This is a little brag of my boy. got Offensive Player of the Year, I know. And um, we watched the video from when they were like, some of them in third grade. Nate started in fourth grade. And you could just see how, how they walked. You know, they're really unsure of themselves and they're super awkward tackling. It's the hilarious, the most hilarious thing in the world. Like, <laughs> they fall down before they hit the guy they're trying to tackle. It's fantastic. Anyways, uh, but by the end, man, by eighth grade, you know, they're walking out on the field like this. I mean, their chests are out, their heads are high. They're favored ones, man. They're favored ones. They got confidence. They get swagger. I'm not talking about walking with arrogance and pride, but they have confidence. Folks, you are highly favored. We walk around with our heads down. We walk around with our eyes on our circumstances, and we forget that the God in heaven is the God of our circumstances, and if he's letting them happen, it's for a very good reason. And I know you're like, oh, pastor, you don't understand. Man, you've been with me now. You better bet I understand what suffering is about. Oh, I get it. It's real, and it hurts. But if he calls you through it, he'll get you through it. It's an amazing thing. And there's other people in this church. I look at Jen Johnson. She'd give that testimony. She'd probably stand up on the chair and start doing this. Man, God shows up. He doesn't abandon you. He doesn't leave you. He doesn't forsake you. Whom or what shall I fear? No one. But what are you looking at? What Jesus are you seeing? This is the coolest thing. I told you, some of y'all have the wrong impression of Jesus. You have a Picasso Jesus in your brain. Remember that? Did you know Picasso actually painted Jesus? I thought that was like the coolest thing. I'm like, dude, this is awesome. That's like your vision of Jesus. You just don't see the real thing. You, this is Picasso. You see an abstract Jesus. That's like Jesus on the cross. I don't know who the dude is with those sunglasses. But this is your view of Jesus. It's all scrambled and broken, and, and you don't see it. You don't see yourself as a favored one. You don't see how much he loves you. You read about it. You know what the Bible says. 
but it's not here, it's here. And when you see Jesus, you see some broken image of Jesus. You don't see the Jesus of the church age. So what are you seeing? Man, you need to start seeing this Jesus. You gotta start seeing this Jesus. I remember I preached a message at a, at a, at a pastor's fellowship called Let the Little Children Come. And I'll tell you what, there were pastors come down to the altar because they were broken over how they treated the children of their church. Better seen and not heard. Right? How dare they run in the sanctuary? <laughs> no respect. Or their kids. <laughs> now granted, we want discipline. If you love them, you'll discipline them. But this is who Jesus is. His disciples tried to forbid the little children from coming to Jesus, and it was one of the three occasions where he rebuked his disciples sharply. Let them come. Let them come. And so I found this, this picture, and I'm like, oh, this, I want you to see Jesus. How about Martha or Mary holding her as she's weeping and grieving over the loss of her brother Lazarus? You know Jesus, when news came that Lazarus was sick, how many of you are aware, how many of you are aware he could have said, hey, Lazarus, a day's journey away, he could, hey, Lazarus, hey, sickness, be gone, and Lazarus would not have died, he would not have wasted away, he, he, he would have been healed immediately, we know that because we just talked about it a moment ago, where he healed a servant from a distance, in the hour he spoke the word, that very same hour that servant was healed. So here he's coming and comforting someone. And, and Mary was angry. I've talked about this, that, that Jesus didn't snap his fingers. But listen, they needed to suffer so the world could see. And sometimes that's why we suffer. But in our sufferings and in our fear, expect this Jesus you got to change your perception. Who are you looking for? Who are you seeing? We'll have the musicians come forward. Um, for the last 10 years that I've been pastoring Emmanuel, I have been trying to guide this church to what I believe is the biblical perception of Jesus and God the Father. Holy and just, full of mercy, love, and grace. And three weeks ago, I got it for myself. And when you get the proper perception of Jesus... It can absolutely change your life. Changes everything. When you see Jesus in your shame, when you see Jesus in your fear, when you see Jesus in your ordinary, it has the power to change everything. And it's absolutely amazing. But which vision of Jesus are you seeing? Are you seeing the real biblical one? Or are you still stuck in Picasso land? The second question is, are you looking? 
Or are you like that servant? Are you looking with spiritual eyes? Are you asking God, open the eyes of my heart. Open my spiritual eyes so I can see you, so I can understand you're here, so I can realize that you are with me, that you are for me, that I am favored. I have been given grace and called and was chosen for salvation. Are you looking for Jesus? Are you praying, God, open the eyes of my heart? Hey, all, thanks for listening to this podcast. If you'd like to know more, please go to our website, emmanuelhooksit.com, where you'll find helpful links and resources and where you can contact us directly. That web address again is emmanuelhooksit.com. Bless God, get out there, and be the blessing.